When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We got a lot to talk about today. We're going to get really in-depth with the Packers game that just happened on Sunday with another one coming up tomorrow, so we have a a good preview for that show. And um, if you like the Packers discussion, you enjoy the Packers discussion, we will be having a live Packers discussion next Thursday night. Uh, It came up, feels like it came up really fast, but... uh, At the Green Bay Parker Johns next week, 6.30. It's uh, Thursday night. Um, come hang out, get some good food, hang out with us. We're going to give some stuff away and uh, just have some fun talking about the Packers. So that's what that show is going to be all about. And, uh, yeah, next Thursday, 6.30, Green Bay Parker Johns, come hang out with us. So let's jump right into this. Um, we'll talk about the offense first. It's usually what we do. So let's start talking about the, the Packers offense. Packers offense, man. Um, it was really the Aaron Rodgers show. Uh, there was really no run game present. Uh, the run game, the Packers, they had 15 carries, 57 yards, a couple fumbles, uh, 3.8 average. Uh, Bruce, that is the Washington football team. The Redskins, not as good as years before. That is true. The defense is not as good as it was the year before. Yeah, Jake said Jake said that last week, actually, when we did the preview, to Jake's credit, that he's never seen a, a, a such a bad flop from being like a top five defense to like a bottom third. So uh, credit to Jake for pointing that out. Yeah, that's still crazy in my mind. But they did play much better this week. They they came after us. They were they were owning the line of scrimmage for a Yeah, their their D line is still is still very good. Yeah, they got a shit ton of talent up there. Um but I was going to say about the run game, that's definitely something that's going to have to change for tomorrow night for us to win. You know, we'll get to that later, but we got a couple really, really key guys out for us mm-hmm. on offense. But Aaron Rodgers, he was the man, uh, excuse me, 27 of 35, 274 yards, three touchdowns, a 127 rating. All of his touchdowns went to different receivers. One went to Adams, one went to Lazard, one went to Tanya on National Tight End Day. I'm happy he got one on National Tight End Day. But Aaron Rodgers was really the story on offense for us. So for, you know, to your point about the three different receivers all having touchdowns, actually it was three different receivers that all had over 60 yards receiving and a touchdown. So I got my my Robert Tanyan jersey on today because we're definitely going to need him tomorrow night. So I just kind of wanted to go through the possessions on the offense and just kind of run through those. So the first drive, they went down the field right away. They got into a fourth and short situation. But we talked about it last week about Washington giving up tons of points, tons of yards. So they went for it on the fourth and three. 
Rodgers found Adams for the touchdown. Second one, uh, their second drive, they went three and out. Um, they gave up their first of three sacks. Um, that was a three and out. So second after that, that was the third drive. Um, after the blocked field goal, they went back to moving the ball until they got into the red zone. This is something that the Packers need to improve on is their red zone offense and their red zone defense, but at least one of those things improved this week or this past week. Um, and then they had a sack, a two-yard run, and then a penalty, and then they ended up getting their field goal blocked. Then came the Lazard drive. The Allen Lazard drive, 11-yard um, catch to Lazard, 7-yard catch to Lazard, 13-yard catch to Lazard on third and two, and then a 19-yard um, yard catch. And then after the Randall Cobb play was overturned, I would have put him at like the three-yard line. Um, on third down again, uh, Rodgers hit Lazard with a touchdown. And did you see Rodgers after that touchdown? Found him. Too little. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yep. he meant the crowning one. Because yeah, he'll be crowning any point of the team with too little. Um, yeah, Lazard's like 6'5", so having mm-hmm. a – Massive. Yeah, he's big. Yeah. So then second half, I want to kind of give – I don't know. It's it's something that you don't want the Packers to have to work on, but it is something they do have to work on is being backed way up inside their own five-yard line. And as far as the ball can be moved back, because they were at like the one inch line and then they had a false start penalty. So they had to move back half an inch. Like you can't be any closer to the goal line. Um, they almost okay. got home. They almost got home. I just thought of a question, not to cut you off. What was closer, them starting that possession or the punt by Pohonga? <laughs> dude, dude, you couldn't walk over and set the ball any closer to the goal line than Bohorquez hit that one. No, that was absolutely perfect. Not to cut you off, but you can continue. You're good. So they tried to feature A.J. Dillon. He got stood up, and then there was a good tackle made on him. Um, Luckily, they recovered the fumble and then punted. And then their next drive, they were backed up again, and instead of trying to use the run game, they used Devontae Adams to get out from the goal line and then had a penalty that backed him up again. Um, Or they were just backed up all the way again. And then their next drive – so Mercedes Lewis started to get involved. So Jake was talking about national tight end day. Mercedes Lewis got involved. Probably going to see more of the same tomorrow without uh, Adams, Lazard, and maybe still MVS because it's a short week. So, um, And then that was the drive that A.J. Dillon fumbled. And then after that, Packers were just in killing clock mode. So wasn't really much to write home about after the Packers got the lead. At that point, it was just protecting the lead and playing the field position game. Um, let me ask you this. I, I realize how many injuries the Packers have on both sides of the ball, but, um, this is something that kind of just popped in my head now. Does it feel a little bit like the all gas, no break mindset has kind of gone away from LaFleur a little bit? Yeah. He, um, you know, I mentioned this earlier, a couple of weeks ago. He is reminding me of Giannis in ways where he's grown as a leader, in my opinion, where he he's understanding you can't just go all the time, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. You know, you, you, sometimes mm-hmm. it's okay to pull it back, play the numbers game, play the analytics, you know, like, yep. okay, yep. this is the fourth down we can go for. This is not a fourth down we can go for. This is yeah. what we run on this third down. You know what I mean? I definitely this is play the field position that. game. I think, they, yeah. I think they've done that now more that 
now that they actually have a competent punter special teams unit a little bit, that they're they're willing to play the field position game a little more. They have a little more trust in their special teams and the defense for that matter. So that's you know that's a fair thing to look at it. Tim, I think as far as AJ Dillon is concerned for you, uh, this week he was not really involved in the passing game really at all. I think that's that's something that really hurts his production. Is it's weird as it is to say AJ Dillon not being involved in the passing game kind of hurt him. Well, on top but, of that, uh, the Packers as a team had 15 carries. That's everybody carrying the ball. That's Rodgers, that's Jones, yep, that's Dillon. Like yep. we did not attempt to run the ball. I think time. I think Kylan Hill had like two two rushes in that yeah. game too. I mean, this All next right. week against Arizona. I was just we're gonna yeah we're gonna talk more about the running game when we talk about Arizona. We're gonna talk a lot about it. All right, let's talk about the Packers' defense before we move into some preview stuff. So uh, I'll let you start it out talking about the defense. I know that some people are going to say pump the brakes because we haven't played a lot of great offenses or, you know, superstar quarterbacks or this and that. But I'm just impressed, man. I'm impressed by the number of different people stepping up every week. I mean, there's one person that's there every week. I mean, there's there's more than one, but there's one guy that's there every week, and that's Devontae Campbell. Yep. He makes plays every week. Everywhere. He's, the middle, yep. he's making the most tackles. It's really nice to have our middle linebacker lead us in tackles for once. I know. Safety, you know. Or a cornerback. Or a corner, right. So Campbell, I mean, he was a monster. I mean, he had 13 total tackles, 10 solo. Uh, there was two other people I wanted to mention, though. One was Kiki Kingsley. He was absolutely awesome. He had – the Packers total had nine quarterback hits, four sacks. Kiki Kingsley had six tackles, four solo, one and a half sacks, and he had two quarterback hits. Nice. Kiki Kingsley, man, that's one of those guys when I'm talking about in the situation, he's stepping up. Dude, I liked him last year when Kenny when Kenny Clark was injured. Yeah. I'm like, Kingsley Kiki is playing really well in the absence of Kenny Clark. Right. You know, the thing about Kenny Clark, he didn't record a didn't record a tackle, didn't record a single stat this week. But he had a great game against Chicago. They take him away. So the name of a, of a great defense is when they take that guy away, somebody else steps up. And that was Kingsley Kiki this week. You know who else stepped up? Rashawn fucking Gary, bro. <laughs> Rashawn Gary. It, you know, I was going to say this the entire time. I think we've got to the point now where we don't say, you know, oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's emerging. Mm-hmm. Rashawn Gary's here. Oh, Sean yeah. Gary is yep. a bona fide, very good NFL outside linebacker. Yep. That was a Rashawn Gary game. I got some weird stats. First of all, <laughs> he had 10 total pressures. That's crazy. That's a Ten lot. pressures by one human being. He had seven tackles, three solo, two sacks, four quarterback hits. Crazy stats. He had the third fastest get-off speed off the line of scrimmage of the entire NFL. Wow. So this this man is getting off the line quick. He's hitting you with power moves, and he's pressuring your quarterback. Do you know how you survive defensive back injuries? You get pressure on the quarterback. You get nine quarterback hits and four sacks, you're rattling the quarterback. I know it's not an amazing quarterback. Taylor Heineke is a – he's a grinder. You know, all right? He, he keeps you in the games. He fights till the very end. He uh, he's got heart. Yeah, at the end of this game, he had that annoying game uh, – that annoying play where they, like, clocked it, and I'm like – you know, I'm a two touchdowns, dude. I understand, like, he cares, stuff like that, but I, the name of the game is Rashawn Gary is here, and if we would have Rashawn Gary and Zedaria Smith. And Preston. And Merciless. 
my god. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. How Dude, you know who you didn't you know who you didn't even say? Who's that? Our boy Lowry. I know I know Lowry, dude. He Dude, he's, if, he's one of those ones that I'm talking has been consistent. Exactly. Yep. You said it last week and the week before. If there was a most improved award in the NFL, like Dean Lowry could be up for it. And yeah, I, yeah. I agree completely. Um one guy that I'd like to see step up a little more on the defense is Henry Black. Uh, Darnell Savage has dealt with a little bit of concussion issues and then just a little bit of being banged up. So Henry Black had a couple opportunities to make some tackles. He got caught out of position and gave up some long gains to Washington. Um, other than that, I mean, Rashawn, I mean, you already hit it on Rashawn Gary. He got the fourth and goal stop. In addition to all the stuff that you brought up, he was big on the fourth and goal stop. Um, this game, it could have, like, a couple of bounces here or there, and this game could have gone better for Washington. It could have been a closer game, and then the Packers might not have, you know, done the, the play it safe, play the field goal or the field position game. Um, like, like Heineke pulling the ball back before his knee hit, like, that's, that's just a bummer. That's the way it goes. But still, all things considered, especially when you consider all the injuries that this team has, Jake already mentioned Zadarius. Preston Smith, Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Josh Myers, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins is out for a little while, but he's back. All the things the Packers have gone through, they're still on a six-game winning streak. Like, that doesn't happen by accident. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Aaron Rodgers being said, hit me with your three stars from this game. All right. So, I had a tough time. I was naming all these players, and I'm like, who's it, who's it going to be? I generalized so, for two of mine. <laughs> so my third star is Devondre Campbell. I mean, I, I could probably put him on there every week. The guy just making plays for us. Um, like I, I already said his stats, 13 tackles, 10 solo. My second one, he's running the whole damn show. Dude, he's he's GM Rogers now. He he's he's game show host Rogers. He's you know, State Farm Rogers. He's like, own you, Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, our quarterback. That's what I like to refer him as. He's my second star. And number one is Rashawn Gary. I told you before the show, it was a Rashawn Gary game with the Alan Lazard drive. Rashawn Gary, he, he was the man. All right. So for me, I, I, got, I got super general about this. But my number three is Joe Barry. Um, okay. The way that he's gotten these guys to play in the absence of all these injuries – Rasul Douglas is a guy we didn't even mention. He came in very handy this last week. He didn't give up any big plays, which is, I mean, as on this team, that's all you can really ask for out of your third, fourth string cornerbacks. Shannon Sullivan had an interception that he played perfectly. He played that ball perfectly. Um, Whitney Merciless just comes out of nowhere, plays 31 snaps after practicing twice. Comes in and plays 31 snaps. Um, and he just he gets guys fired up and ready to contribute. And you know, on the on the I don't know if you saw during the game, but after the red zone stops, he was calling them out, he's running around, he's cheering guys. Um, so that's what you I like seeing that from especially from a defensive coordinator where you want to play with aggression and tenacity, and you know, it's a little bit different when you're an offensive coach that you want to be you know, all about execution and and a precision, but on the defense, you just want to be nasty. You just want to get after it. You get you want to hit guys. You play fast, play hard. So seeing that from Joe Barry, 
Um, I'm very, very encouraged. And it seems now that week one was an outlier type situation versus how the last six weeks have gone. So it was Joel Berry. It was for me. My number two star is Aaron Rodgers. You already you already talked about him a little bit, but he got he got into spreading the ball around big time. Seven different receivers with catches, three different ones with touchdowns. Devontae is Devontae. Uh, Tunyon looked a little bit more like he did last year. Lazard was key on the one drive right before halftime. Um, Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb, the old dogs, were helping out. Aaron Jones had five receptions out of the backfield, so while they didn't have a ton of carries, Aaron Jones is still involved. Um, and then we just need we just need uh, Aaron Jones, uh, not Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon to to clean up the fumble issues. Um, it's we're going to kind of parallel here a little bit with the with the Packers and the Badgers running backs a little bit, but um, you know that's where we're at with that. Um, my number one star was the defense. <laughs> so I told you I got really general with it, but uh, my number one star is the defense. So you mentioned already Rashawn Gary. Washington, we talked about the, the red zone defense, but if you take it 10 yards farther and you go to the 30-yard line, Washington was inside the 30-yard line five times. That did not end in any points. That's crazy, dude. They had an interception a blocked field goal, and three fourth down stops. Yeah, we didn't even mention TJ Slayton who got that block. And yeah, he did. Like, that was the first block since, I think it was 2014, when Dayton Jones had one. Dayton. The first blocked field goal. That's the guy <laughs> I forgot about on purpose. Christ, <laughs> well, you're welcome for that. All right. <laughs> and then they held Antonio Gibson, who is actually a pretty solid running back. They held him to 3.6 yards per carry, so that is good. Um, Taylor Heineke ran over a lot. That's kind of just results of, of broken plays, scrambles. It's not like a designed run type situation like we're going to talk about with Arizona. So that, you know, that is what it is, and it's something they're going to have to look at this week. But holding Antonio Gibson to 3.6 yards per carry is is pretty good. So I want to ask you now, because I wrote down some snap counts, because I felt like I didn't see a couple linebackers a lot. And the two that I felt like I didn't see were Jalen Smith and Chris Barnes. So I looked up the snap counts, and I mentioned it last week when we were talking about Whitney Merciless, if he was going to play or not, that mm-hmm. a guy um, that deserved more playing time was Garvin. So snap counts for linebackers. Garvin, 43. Whitney Merciless, 31. Chris Barnes, 17. And 13 on special teams. And Jalen Smith, 10. So I kind of want to just just get your your feeling. Like, what do you make of that? I mean, the Jalen Smith project is still relatively early. Chris Barnes, I don't really know what happened, man. I I thought he he flashed, you know, a little bit last year, but he he's he made a couple. He actually made a really really nice tackle on special teams on Sunday. Uh, that was a linebacker tackle. Um, but then, you know, Garvin, he's been great, dude. Honestly, he's been getting a lot of pressure. Uh, our outside linebackers, that might be the most – I mean, we're talking about defensive line improving. Our outside linebackers are amazing this year. It doesn't matter who's in there. But then you you add in a guy like Merciless, and he can just go in – I mean, Merciless has been around the league forever now. So, yeah. him going in there, they're probably just like, listen, we're going to put you in situations to go get the goddamn quarterback. He has an awesome spin move, by the way. If you didn't get a chance – 
Watch him during the game on Thursday. He does a he does a really really nice spin move to get to the quarterback, and that and that's, you know, we talked about the Brewers and their contrasting styles of pitching. That's a contrasting style to a Rashawn Gary who tries to use power all the time, or Zadarius tries to use power. You know, I mean, he does the spin move, which you know you're used to getting hit all the time, so you're you're gearing up for that, and then somebody spins past you. That's a whole different look to look at. And in the game of football, where you only have a couple milliseconds to really think about stuff, that can make a huge difference. Um, yeah, I really, we'll, really love the merciless signing, dude. That was awesome. I, I'm so he, happy for that. I wanted him. I wanted him bad. I was hoping we could get a package deal of Whitney Merciless and Brandon Cooks, but we were able to get Merciless, so I'm happy about that. We, we were um, still rumored to Cooks, man. It, it might happen, honestly. It that would be happen. nice. I mean, the the Texans are already in fire sale mode. Uh, Tim just put it in the comments that Mark Ingram is going back to the Saints, so um, they're getting their uh, their one two yeah. punch of running backs back. I heard um, Watson too. That's yeah, that's the Watson. I keep. I, it feels like every week we hear that the Watson talks are heating up, even though they've been hot for like two <laughs> weeks in a row. Then it's just it's continually right. heating up. So I mean, we'll see what happens with it. Um, and then, you know, I mean, if the Texans get into a point where they're you know, looking to trade Brandon Cooks, I mean, I can see the Packers as suitors. Um, so that being said, you know, you make a good point about the, the contrasting styles of pass rushing. Um, and that's something that maybe we can talk about in the preview about doing against Arizona to kind of help the Packers mitigate some of the stuff that Arizona does. But um, do you have anything else from Packers and Washington? Nah, man, just a good old-fashioned win, man. And I love them. Trade deadline on right. Tuesday, if you didn't see Tim's comment. Trade deadline is next Tuesday. All right. Well, it's a good thing the Packers play today so they can enter into their mini-buy and they can focus on that a little bit. That might give them a little boost on the, ahead of other teams. I'm not going to lie. That's what I'm saying. Lie. You know, you already got your you know, you already got your game in for the week, so you get two extra days where you're focused on – on recap instead of preparation. So, all right, all right. We'll see what happens, man. All right. That could be a factor. So, let's talk about the Packers' offense versus Arizona's defense. What are things that you're looking for in this game? You know, we know we're going in without. So, let's talk about it. Let's, let's figure this out about what the Packers are going to do. All right. So, first of all, Devontae is Devontae. He's the best receiver in the league. Obviously, missing somebody like that really, really sucks. Mm-hmm. But it's not the end of the world. The Packers yep. have a very talented backfield of running backs. Like they could, they could easily, you know, run the ball say thirty-five times, and they could hatch out two hundred yards. I'm not gonna lie; I've seen them do that in the past. You know, run, run all over people. I mean, they did it in the playoffs against the Rams. They were creating huge holes. I mean, David Bakhtiari is probably not coming back. Doing anything. I mean, MVS probably isn't coming back. The one thing that I really, really, like, really want, one of my keys to the game is to run the ball. You, you can let Aaron Rod- Aaron Rodgers can figure out any situation. He's that damn good. But if we can run the ball and dictate the offense that way by controlling the line of scrimmage, that'll be the key to the game for the Packers offense. And all the injuries, all the starters that have been out – and Billy Turner's still our worst offensive lineman. On the field, <laughs> I was oh, thinking God. about that during the game, dude. Like, oh, if everybody's man. healthy, can we cut Billy Turner? Or can we trade Billy Turner? 
We could just put anybody else over there, and they would do better than <laughs> Billy Turner. Seriously. The, 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 most, the most important thing that Billy Turner does is before the game, before the first drive, he gives a fist bump to everybody. That's the most important thing he does. He doesn't do anything else for us. He's the one that literally gets beat consistently. I give I give Royce Newman a pass. He gave up those couple sacks against the Bears, yep. but those are just rookie mistakes. Yep. Once he learns, you know, Rodgers is like, okay, hey, when I say this, you got to look here or look here. You know, like that's the stuff you got to It wasn't. It wasn't getting beat. It was more being in the wrong place at the wrong yeah, time. He, his head thought the wrong thing. Yeah. You could fix that stuff. Yep. But being physically dominated, you can't do anything about that. It's over after that. After you get physically dominated, you're in the right place doing the right thing, and you just get destroyed. Well, it's a wrap. You're done. You suck. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like he gets ran past often. Dude, and he's just ran past, run over. Like, I don't even know how he started for us the last three years. Are we really that bad at right tackle? I think I mean, we've just he- been, like, injured at offensive line a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks, dude. And young at offensive line a lot. Yeah, we're still just chugging out yards. I mean, the Packers, if you look at the rankings, the rankings aren't impressive. But we're on a six-game winning streak, so I don't give a shit about that. I don't care if we're ranked 32nd. I mean, if you're the Bears, you care because you look like shit. The last two weeks, Bears are down bad, dude. They're down bad. Yeah, their offense is bad. I haven't heard a Bears fan talk shit in a long time now, and it's awesome. (laughs) Not since the, the Sunday morning of the game. Yeah, dude, that was the last time they were chirping. They got their ass whooped. Roger said he owned them. Brady came in and spanked them like some little babies. Justin Fields looks like he hates his life. Oh, my God. But the name of the game for the Packers on tomorrow night is running the damn ball. What's your take, buddy? So on your, you know, on your running the ball point, what goes along with that is controlling time of possession. And that's going to be huge because the more that you keep Arizona's offense off the field, the better. Now, what I saw with some of the people were saying is, you know, Rodgers has no receivers, stack the box and, you know, just try to get pressure every play. Now, my question to you is, how did that work out for San Francisco? Because San Francisco has a much better front seven than Arizona does. Arizona's getting Chandler Jones back but they're without J.J. Watt. So that is a huge, huge deal. There's no J.J. Watt for Arizona. Chandler Jones, he's somebody to be contended with. They're probably going to line him up on Billy Turner's side because we just talked about him. I mean, you'd be you'd be better off trying to get to Rodgers from the Billy Turner side than the Elton Jenkins side. Uh, Bakhtiari, I'd say it's 95% that he won't be back this week just because he hasn't had a lot of practice reps. Now, he's been practicing, but he hasn't been taking first-team reps, so he hasn't been getting the live practice. So there is a little bit of a difference there. So if you hear that he's practicing, why isn't he playing? It's because he's not getting the first-team reps. He's not doing live practice. He's not actually going against people yet. So now they're going into the mini-buy after this game. I think it's much more likely that you see him back before the Kansas City game. On the subject of David Bakhtiari, the Packers' offensive line, it needs health. So win, lose, whatever happens with this game, I want the Packers to get out healthy. They play some good front sevens coming up in the next eight or so weeks with the Rams, Cardinals, Bears, the Vikings' front seven is actually decent, and then the Browns. The Vikings are tied to the league lead in sacks, so, I mean, they're doing something. 
So the Packers are playing five good front sevens in their next eight weeks. So the Packers offensive line needs to be healthy coming out of this game is a big key for me, controlling the time of the possession, and then, you know, just spreading the ball. Rodgers obviously isn't really going to have much of a choice, but spreading the ball around, maybe it's an Amari Rodgers breakout type game. Maybe it's a Randall Cobb is here for a reason type game. Um, Malik Taylor should be back for this game. Uh, Jawan Winfrey is uh, likely to be activated. He was protected on the practice squad this week, which means he's likely to be activated. Um, so we're rolling out there with, with everybody else that we got. We talked about this <clears throat> with the Washington game that Mercedes Lewis was involved. Robert Tunyon was involved. I expect Tunyon to be very involved this week. Um, like playing tons and tons of snaps. He'll be used as a blocker and as a receiver. So I expect to hear Tunyon's name a lot this week. Um, and then, so I got to do it. Um, third down report. The Packers are improving on third downs, finally. They're converting 42% now. Arizona allows only 28% conversions on third downs. So it'd be nice if the Packers could just stay out of third down situations because Arizona has been stingy on third downs. Um, you mentioned... You mentioned uh, Devontae Adams playing without him. Yep. The Packers are 6-0 and in the last two years playing without Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And last year they had one game where they didn't have Adams or Lazard, and that was against the Falcons, and they won that game 30-16. to Robert Tunyon had three touchdowns. Robert Tunyon had three touchdowns in that game. I remember that. Um, so that, you know. I'm not saying that Robert Tunyon's going to have three touchdowns in this game, but I did break out my Kittle light jersey just in case. Um, <laughs> so I I expect a lot of spreading the ball around. Um, I think that's about what I got for it for the offense. Uh, the other thing, the last player worth mentioning is MVS. He's also probably not going to play. I'd be about 99% sure that he doesn't play because even if he is activated tomorrow, he also hasn't practiced all week. So going into a short week, they're probably just going to opt to keep guys out. They're going to go play on the road, take a mulligan, see what happens, play loose, and see what happens. Um, And then you go into a match with Kansas City healthy and prepared off of your mini buy. So, uh, yeah, that's what I got for offense. So do you have anything else on the offense? No, just stay healthy, man. That's all I got for them. All right, let's talk about the Packers' defense. So something I thought was interesting that I'm sure you saw as well because you see everything that I see um, (laughs) was DeAndre Hopkins is actually questionable for tomorrow night. I saw that he's questionable, likely to play. Yeah, so, I mean, he only has like 33 catches or 34 catches this year, but seven of them have gone for touchdowns. So, I mean – He's getting in the end zone. He's pulling on Devontae Adams, you know, yep. old Devontae Adams. New Devontae Adams gets yards, catches, and touchdowns. <laughs> but old Devontae Adams was just a touchdown machine. So Hopkins is a really big key for them. I mean, Ertz looked good last week for them. He had that really, really long, like, 40-yard touchdown. Yep. But if if you're the Cardinals and you have real, like, championship aspirations and you're coming into a short week, and you don't think that D-Hop is 100% and you're going up against a banged-up Packers team with no Devontae Adams, 
no Alan Lazard, no Jair Alexander, do you maybe sit him out? I don't know. That's that's, I mean, that's probably that, a discussion that they're having. Yeah, it's definitely a discussion that you have to have. He yeah. is definitely a top three wide receiver in the NFL. Yep. It's him, like he's number two. Let's be honest. It's yeah, yeah, he's number Andrew two. Hopkins. I'm just gonna yep. say it out loud. DeAndre is the second best receiver in the league. So yep. that being said, if he would be out, I don't expect him to be out. I expect him to play. I'm just kind of yep. thinking out loud, I guess. Um, gotta stop Kyler Murray, man. And Kyler Murray right now is probably the MVP. It's either him or Dak Prescott in my head right now. He's For me, Lamar MVP. Jackson's got to be in there, but he did not play well last week. Yeah, Lamar's in there, but I mean. Dak and Kyler. I mean, Kyler is completing seventy three percent of his passes. That is insane. <laughs> I was like, whoa, <laughs> crazy. I mean, like I said, Derrick Henry's in there. The guy's just a horse. But I, I mean, I don't think they'll ever really give it to a running back again. Adrian Peterson. It was because he came off the ACL, I think. But that's another thing to be said. He could win it. But Kyler, right now, it's him, him and Dak in the league. You gotta stop Kyler, man. Kyler, he can he can do it all. He can run, he can throw, he can throw on the run. Like he's he was number one pick for a reason, man. And the Browns got screwed in that situation. Because I'll say if Kyler was on the Browns, the Browns would be freaking amazing. Yeah. I mean, the parody in the NFL kind of stays with Kyler and the Cardinals. But that's another thing to be said that the Arizona offense is good, man. They're seventh in total yards, they're eleventh in pass yards. Fifth in rush yards and their fourth in points. They average 32 points per game. They put up a lot of points on the, on the Titans. They put a lot of points up on the who else did they play? In the Rams. They just a lot against points. the Rams, yeah. The the Browns they they put up a ton. They won like 37 to like 16 in that game or something like that. Like they they just put up points, man. They know how to score. Kyler is dynamic, and for us to win this game, here's my key for the defense: control the big plays. Do not let them get a couple big chunk plays of 30 yards and 40 yards. You know? I mean. So I have I have a really an interesting thing to say with that, and it goes along with, with Arizona have playmakers. They have good players at every position on offense. Yeah. They have they have the receivers, um, the running backs, Chase Edmonds and James Conner. They're both seasoned running backs. You you yeah. you gushed about Kyler Murray already, so we know about Kyler Murray. Um, which Michael mentioned, he did have a good point about um, Mercedes Lewis that they could line him up next to um, Billy Turner to help with the protection. That is a good point. Um, I would expect to see a lot of Lewis and Tunyon blocking in this game. Um, so <laughs> Tim said uh, Derrick Henry threw a touchdown, so he should be higher in the MVP discussion. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Back to Arizona's offense, Chase Edmonds, James, James Conner in the backfield with Kyler Murray. You just mentioned Zach Ertz, so they have running backs, tight ends, and then the receivers. So there's obviously DeAndre Hopkins. They have A.J. Green, who is past his prime, but he's still A.J. Green, so he's a good receiver, so he knows what he's doing. Um, he plays a role similar to Randall Cobb. He's the, the savvy veteran that's there when you need him. You can trust him. The guy that when Jake talks about keeping big plays that popped into my head right away was the rookie Rondell Moore. Yep. That's he's he's similar to Jamar Chase, but he's just not as featured in an offense. So if DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green were out of the picture, Rondell Moore would have a Jamar Chase type role on this offense. He's small, fast, and he's 
got big play written all over him. Yeah. That's the guy that if he's out on the field, you have to know where he is. So need to keep an eye on Rondale Moore because he's capable of scoring those 70, 80-yard touchdowns that can break you in a hurry. So when Jake says limit the big play, for me, Rondale Moore was a guy that popped into my head right away. Now, we already talked about all the guys that are injured, probably not playing in this game. The Packers are also going to be without Joe Barry. So no Joe Barry. He is going to be involved remotely is what I heard. So he's going to be involved virtually. Um, So he'll still be able to call, you know, he'll still be able to do adjustments and stuff like that. He's not going to be doing the play calling. The play calling is going to fall on the, the DB coach. Um, So he's, Barry's going to relay stuff to the DB coach who's going to be up in the booth. And then the DB coach is going to relay stuff down to the linebackers coach. It's uh, Olivadotti, I think is how you say it. Um, And then, and then the linebackers coach is going to feed the plays to Devondre Campbell. Um, So even though Barry's not going to be there, he's still going to be kind of involved. He's just not going to be calling the defensive plays, but um, that's where we're at. Um, Preston Smith and Kevin King are both questionable. I on a six-game winning streak when you're already going in with a bunch of guys injured, not playing, and no D, no D coordinator. I don't see why you would rush these guys back, especially when you've been getting production from other players. Um, we've had now a week of Whitney Merciless practicing, so you just plug him in in the Preston Smith role, and then roll with your guys in the middle. Um, I think I just, think Preston's playing. I don't think King will play because he just never played. Um, so back to third downs. Arizona converts 44% of their third downs. The Packers, are, they have their allowing third downs down to 42.6, 0. 0.86. Sorry. So they're just under 43%. So they're, they're getting better on both sides of the ball in third down, but um, would like to see um, continued improvement from that. And then... Kyler Murray. So if you had to game plan for a way to contain a running quarterback with a banged up defense, what would your suggestion be? Kind of put you on the spot here. Well, I think the I think the game plan versus the Bears was very good. You rush to contain, but you don't rush past because that's where they find the big holes between the tackle and the yep. guard. They step up. I mean, I think I think the Bears game plan was great. You can use a guy like Jalen Smith who has the speed to spy him. I mm-hmm. mean, he's only going to play 10 to 15 snaps anyways. Yep. But if you get yourself in a situation where you have to, you know, spy him, that's what I would do. Because Campbell's a better coverage linebacker, so he could take away yep. a Zach Ertz. You know what I yep. mean? You take away those deep plays. You keep Kyler contained, and you just – the, and, and the running back situation, I wanted to talk about the running back situation. Edmonds is the big play guy. He has no touchdowns this year. When they get down there, uh, who's the other guy? James Conner. Yeah, he uh, he's the touchdown guy. He has, he has six rushing touchdowns. He's the goal line carrier. Yeah, so the another big play guy would be Edmonds because he could break it. He's a fast guy. Yeah, he's good in the receiving game. Yeah, they have their thunder and lightning. They have their version. We have our version. Our version is way better, cool. but. I, I agree, but <laughs> the, the aspect of Kyler running kind of makes the running backs better. I'll right. say 
the running backs and the line of scrimmage is what's going to determine this game. That's really, really like how I'm feeling in my heart. That's how I feel. So you you put a, a like three good things that are, that are really in there. Um, you answered uh, Isaac's concern, who said he was worried about the midfield with Ertz. You answered that. The answer there is Devondre Campbell. So you did that. Uh, you brought up the Bears game plan, and you brought up not over rushing. So don't end up behind the quarterback because that's where you lose your contain. Now, the one guy that I'm hoping continues his improvement and has a big game, Dean Lowry. I'm going to be watching Dean Lowry. He's he's doing so much better with when he's not in a position to get to the quarterback that he's getting his hands up. So if Dean Lowry can be in a position where he can get some pressure, doesn't have to be sacks or quarterback hits, but if he can just get the, the lineman close enough to Kyler Murray that he can't run and he has to throw with Rashawn Gary on the other side or Whitney Merciless on the other side, and if you know if Dean Lowry can just get his hands up and maybe knock a couple passes down, um, I'm really looking for Dean Lowry to show that he's capable of helping the Packers contain running quarterbacks. Look how fast we became Dean Lowry fans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm I'm gonna say I've said this. I said this a ton of times that I felt like Dean Lowry is a serviceable D end if you had somebody yep. on the other side. That's yep. just unfortunate. The guy we've always had on the other side is Tyler Lancaster. Now it's mostly Kingsley Kiki is playing a lot on that other side. So um, I think the Packers D line has been. Better than advertised, I would say. And they're moving Kenny Clark around enough, man. He's not just sticking in the middle getting double teamed all game. They're putting him out there, and they're putting TJ Slayton on the inside. So now the line's kind of like, oh, shit. And TJ Slayton's just plugging a hole. And Devontae Campbell's just running through there getting tackles. Yeah. I mean, the the whole defensive game plan and outlook is just much better. I mean, we're still giving up some, some yards, but I feel like I feel like a lot of the yards we gave up last week were junk yards. It's really how I feel. Yep. They had the one big play in the first quarter, but other than that, I mean, I really don't – I mean, they, and they had the long run, but I can't think of any other plays where they really just dominated us, you know? And that all the – you know, most of the yards they racked up were in the second half when the Packers were just playing the field position game. Right. But everything that you just said, my third star, Joe Barry. He's been, he's been good, man. And everybody was calling for him after week one. Told you, just give it four or five weeks. Yeah, you got to chill, man. That's kind of been our MO this whole show. Is the the overreactions, you know, like we we, calm down. That's the same thing Mm -hmm. I'm saying about Jalen Smith, dude. Give it some time. We're only two weeks in. Everybody's overreacting. Just relax. Yep. So, a couple things that popped up. Yeah, McLaurin did drop a touchdown. That's one of those things where it's, you know, a couple different breaks that went the Packers' way. Um, McLaurin dropping the touchdown, Heineke pulling the ball back and landing on his knee at the half-yard line. Um, James, we did talk about Mark Ingram going back to New Orleans when we talked about the Texans potentially having a fire sale because we did actually mention that because it does relate to the Packers a little bit if they can try to get Brandon Cooks from the Texans. So it does relate a little bit. Um, So, Packers, do you you have anything else? Um. We just have a weather report and then a score prediction, and then we're ready for the badger, baby. All right. Well, let's let's hit Jake's weather report. They're in a dome. All right. Score prediction. <laughs> <laughs> that worked out well. I like that. All right. 
right. Um, Packers, Cardinals. It was hard for me to pick this score, man. And this is a little bit of my heart coming out. I just believe in Aaron Rodgers, dude. Aaron Rodgers is one of those athletes where you just you watch him play. He kind of has that Steph Curry effect. I'm going to be honest. Like, I've always thought he was kind of Steph Curry. Where I've seen Steph Curry do stuff with a basketball, and I'm like, that is not fair. I see Rodgers do stuff with a football, and I'm like, that is not fair. I always believe in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, when we played them in the playoffs, he was throwing Hail Marys to Jeff Janis. And he had Jared Everett I mean, and he brought him to overtime with Mike McCarthy as the head coach. And I know McCarthy was good for a little bit, but there, that was the time where McCarthy was bad. Yeah, he was on the, the downspin. I predict the Packers to win this game because Aaron Rodgers is just that man. He's a bad man. I picked 35-31. This is weird. So uh, this is unfortunate when we did the, the schedule, the preseason schedule and did a record prediction. This is one game that I had the Packers losing. And it's because they're on a short week. They're traveling west, which is always a harder adjustment to make. And just all of the injuries and then missing the defensive coordinator. Um, I This is proof that we're not just homers and we're not just going to say, you know, the Packers are winning this game by 50 because we're Packers fans. <laughs> so I do think the Cardinals win this game 35-30. to 30. Um, Jake and I both – predict high scoring games. And I think this is going to be tons of offense in this game. So it's going to be a really, really fun game, but you know, all things considered, I, I really think that, um, you know, just all of the things that the Packers have going against them, um, it's just going to kind of catch up to them. And I really think they're going to, you know, they're going to play loose. So you know, maybe the Packers just playing loose without pressure, you know, go out there, have fun. Let's see what happens, you know, works in their favor and they win this one. But for me, um, just the way that things look on paper, I'm going to give the Cardinals the edge in this one. This is one of the, one of the games I had the Packers losing on their schedule. What's the score? 35-30. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to say this. If you have Aaron Jones in fantasy, he's going to have a fat game. First of all, he's playing against me this week. And we have no receivers, so he's gonna go. He's gonna be great. So Aaron Jones, fantasy owners. AJ Dillon needs to clean up the fumbles. He's gotta. Yeah. He's gotta clean that up. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the Badgers. Speaking of cleaning up fumbles, because I told you there's some parallels here with the Packers and the Badgers, and it's the Thunder and Lightning because Ches Malusi is the lightning and Brandon Allen is the thunder. And the thunder in both situations is the guy that needs to clean up the fumbles. Yep. So let's talk about the Badgers. Let's talk about the Badgers offense and then the defense. So let's talk about Badgers offense. What did you see from the Purdue game? First of all, you said it's the thunder. I mean, is it like their biceps are too big? They can't fit the football in there? Like I'm I don't sure know what it is. is. Are they squeezing it too hard and it just pops out? I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, maybe maybe the defenders are, are grabbing for biceps and they're accidentally grabbing footballs. I don't know. I, they're the same size, so I don't really know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. What did I see? <laughs> I saw some good old-fashioned Wisconsin Badgers football. That's what I saw on Saturday. Yep. We Both sides. Defense. Yeah, man. We played good defense and we ran the damn ball. 
We, we dominated the line of scrimmage. That's what we did. What up? What up, my man, Tyler? Um, Braylon Allen, dude, is huge. First of all, he is legitimately a truck. <laughs> he is ginormous. And then Malusi with that spin move, I was like, oh, dude, that, that spin move was nasty. It was. That was dirty. That was dirty. <laughs> that was nasty. Oh, it was. I mean, Mertz threw eight passes. And one pass that he dropped back for was one of the fumbles that we're talking about we need to clean up. He fumbles a lot. I mean, Mertz, yep. Mertz fumbles a lot. Yep. He really needs to clean up the turnovers. He had His confidence has to be just completely shot at this point. Because they're not even letting him sling the ball around like we asked for. They're basically just telling him, like, all right, go in there. Don't fumble the snap because he's done that already. Or the handoff, and don't trip on your linemen or your running backs. Mertz, grab the damn thing and give it to one of those two. That's basically the game. And don't trip them on the way there. Yeah, I mean, Malusi, Allen, they're our offense. We'll get into the defense after this, which I'm very excited for, but – Offense, man, it was it was the Malusi and Allen show, and that's exactly what it's going to be when we get to the Iowa. That's, that's exactly what it's going to be. So, Badgers put up thirty points on a Purdue on a Purdue defense that Iowa only managed to score seven. So that's some context for you, and they did that on the road. So that they did that on the road at Purdue. Um, Held Purdue to 13 points that scored 24 on Iowa. So that matters too. Um, and six of Purdue's points came from our offense fumbling the ball. Yep. So this this game, like Jake hit the nail on the head, this was Badger football. This was all defense. And here's the running game. Just just it's coming right here it's all in your face and you can't stop it yeah so they the two things that they really need to do stop fumbling the ball stop committing penalties they will legit blow teams out if they stop doing those two things because they finally created some turnovers in this game they won the turnover battle five to two they got some interceptions they got some fumble recoveries so the Badgers are finally on the right side of the turnovers, but if they can clean theirs up, they can really start putting teams away and start winning. You know, like last year we saw them beat Michigan 44 to 11. They can get back to that if they clean this stuff up. I agree. So this the run game is the real damn deal. It really is. Um, and then the other thing was they had a third and 15 play, and they ran a tight end screen for Jake Ferguson. That is a beautiful play call. I love that play call. Um, you know, you get the ball in the hands of one of your best players. You get a bunch of your big guys out in front of them, and they picked it up. So he runs hard, bro. He runs hard. He wants to be the tight end of the year. He does. So that's actually, I mean, that's pretty much all I have for the offense because it's it's run the ball and you're going to like it. Um, Braylon Allen did bust off a 70 yard run. If he was that DB, did you see the DB running up to catch to him? Well, he was like, did, that, that was credit to <laughs> credit to that safety. He caught up to Braylon Allen. That dude was, he was moving. Running his, he was running his ass off, bro. <laughs> and, 
uh, Matt Miller was saying it on the on the cat on the cast. You know, he was just like he's running to a spot. He literally found a spot. He was like, all right, I ain't got a chance until I get to the twenty. So yep. I'm gonna run as hard as I can, and he got him. But man, if, if Allen adds a little bit more speed to his game without all the power he already has, yep. he is going to be a problem. He's, yep. he's only 17 years old, dude. He's yep. like the Incredible Hulk. What is this kid? Oh my AJ God. Dillon's little brother. By, by gorillas. That's what I think about him. <laughs> he's huge, bro. I understand. Tyler, I'm looking up for an answer to your question. Jake, um, let's start talking about the defense. But before we do, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. You you mentioned the announcer already a couple times. So two things. First of all, when the Badgers were having a little bit of fumble problems, and the first thing that he said was the Badgers need to get the ball in Braylon Allen's hands. He's the only one that's been taking care of the ball. I don't know if he meant to say Ches Malusi, but two possessions before that was when Braylon Allen fumbled. So that's one thing. <laughs> the second one, oh my God, this is so annoying. He spent the entire second half calling Leo Chanel Chanel. I don't know if he bought into the fashion family or if that's what him and his brother are, if they're Chanel's and not Chanel's, but that was driving me insane the entire second half. Like, it's Chanel! It's not Chanel! You see the, the letters in order, it's on the back of the jersey. I'm sure you see all the graphics they put on the screen. How do you not read? So I think I think we just call Leo Chanel Death Row from now on. Dude, we need to start calling the Badgers th- big three, Sanborn, uh, Chanel, and Herbig. We need to start calling them Death Row, and they all need to write that on there because that is badass. That was badass. I will not lie. What made it really badass is that he had another great game after having a great game against Yeah, Boston. he did. Dude. Oh, my God. So, I wrote down the stats for Chanel and, and Sanborn. Chanel, nine total tackles, eight solo, three and a half sacks, five and a half tackles for loss. That's a good stat line for a whole defense. He did that on himself. <laughs> Sanborn, eight total tackles, four solo, a half a sack, one and a half tackles for loss. So, talking about just those two, because I wrote those two down for a reason. Uh, Pro Football Focus, which isn't you know mining your favorite you know site to use, they did rank the the in, top inside linebackers you know for college football. Leo is the f- number one rated linebacker in college football. So the Packers and Badgers have a number one inside linebacker. That's insane. Probably the first time in history. He got a grade of ninety one point eight. Georgia linebacker Nakobe Dean was second at 90, 90.2. And Jack Sanborn was the third best inside linebacker at 84.9. So the Badgers have two of the bad, two of the top three inside linebackers in the entire nation. Mel Kuyper has them eight and nine on his linebacker big board. Eight and nine, really that low? Oh my god, that's that's disrespectful. I'm not gonna lie. Dude, Leo Chanel is he is one of those guys, he has a nose for the football. I dude, he, I told you when he came back from COVID that he was gonna be like first team all big ten. Yeah, he's just, he he might be fucking sorry, sorry for swearing. He might be one of the the you know all time you know at college football first team like all American. Like he's he's great, dude. And, and Sanborn, no disrespect to him, he might end up not even being on a team with how good he is. It's insane. But I wrote down uh, the turnovers, and uh, 
Don Torchino, Caesar Williams, who's really, really stepped up. I like yep. him. And Colin Wider, all in an interception. Yep. And Colin and Nick Herbig also had a fumble recovery. So, I mean, they were getting after it, man. They were taking the ball and, like, man, me and you have been talking about it for weeks, man. We've been talking about let's turn them over. We're doing everything else. We're sound at tackling in the open field. We stopped the run. I mean, pass rush. The, yeah, like we take away the couple big plays that they gave up in the passing game. This defense is amazing. And all I heard from my brother, Curtis, if anybody remembers, he's been been out for a while, but he's a big Iowa fan. You know, and I was like, you know, uh, last week, you know, I was like, man, Badger's defense is good, man. Like, they're for real. And he just wanted to comment, you're two and three. This is before the Army game. He's like, you're two and three. Mm-hmm. You're two and three. I'm thinking, like, Curtis, you guys have literally played nobody. Like, Iowa State came into the season ranked good. They're nothing. You played Penn State. That was the only game you played. Outside of that, you played nobody. Our defense is real. So, when we get into this Iowa game, dude, you're going to hear some stuff you don't want to like, Curtis. And <laughs> I just want to say, I'm going to let Tyler take this point because he had an awesome, awesome way to say it. They took away David Bell. And Aiden O'Connell turned the ball over. That's And I'm going to let Tyler continue that, that point. Jake, you did call that. You called that he's the turnover-prone uh, quarterback, so good on you. Uh, so what I said about the Badgers' defense is that they pulled Bill Belichick. They yeah. took away the opposing team's best player, and they said, go ahead and try to beat us with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't. We talked about David Bell last week, that he had 11 catches for 240 yards and a touchdown last week uh, in their win over Iowa. This week, I don't remember hearing his name at all. Dude, he got a couple cheap catches too. For him to get the six catches, they were some cheap catches. Like a little three-yard out. Like he was, he dove and went out of bounds on one of those little four-yard outs. That was one of his catches. I'm like, go ahead. So, Tyler, to answer your question, I can't find anything about Herbig, so it seems like he must be okay because I'm not seeing anything that says, you know, he's out for this game. He's not practicing. I'm not seeing anything from that, so I'm thinking he's okay um, just because there's nothing about it out there. Um, so the the Colin Wilder, uh, he also had a fumble recovery, if you want to call it that. Uh, Purdue's tight end made a catch. Wilder went and stood him up, grabbed the ball, ripped it away, and that counts as a fumble recovery. That was a man's play right there. Yeah, well, stood up, He stood up a dude that was like three or four inches taller than him, ripped the ball away from him, and came away with the ball. It was like Danny Bateman and the replacements. Like, <laughs> I got you the ball! That was that was exact, just, just a nuts play, and big credit to him. Um, Torchio, he got some redemption on the interception that he made, and you already mentioned Caesar Williams. Nope. Um, this this Badgers defense is it's insane. It's insane how good it is. They held Purdue to three for twelve on third downs. You know how many rushing yards Purdue had? How many? Negative thirteen. Dude, people don't know. <laughs> Army ran it because we don't play that kind of offense. But, man, Badgers front seven is amazing. That's insane, dude. Negative 13 rushing yards. 
I oh, that's that's believe, insane. I believe if they would have played Penn State later in the year, like right now, like not the first week of the season, I think they yep. would have beat them. I oh really, yeah, I really, I really feel yeah. that. Yeah, and you know, speaking of Penn State, um, they made our Illinois game look better. Uh, they lost to Illinois in nine overtimes because of the weird one play situation. Right. So Illinois ended up beating Penn State two weeks after the Badgers shut Illinois out 24 to zero. Illinois went and scored 20 on Penn State. So that makes that look a little bit better. You know, it's it's only Illinois. Like I told you, a shutout is a shutout. So, and now, you know, Illinois just went and scored 20 on Penn State. So um, that's that. Do you have anything else as far as Badgers Purdue is concerned before we talk about Iowa a little more? No, I'm ready. I'm ready to take care of Iowa. I don't know about All right. Let's do it. Let's talk about let's talk about the Badgers versus Iowa. Let's talk about the offense first. Okay. First one I'm actually gonna do is I'm gonna say a quote from a player on the defense. Fayon Hicks tweeted this out. He said, and this is word for word. We gonna play good defense and run the angry emoji ball. Dot dot dot. Wisconsin football, baby. And this is what we've been nailing the entire time. We're gonna play good defense. We're gonna run the damn ball down your throats, and there ain't nothing you're gonna do about it. All right. <laughs> we're just gonna take our 340 pounders, lay them on you for 60 minutes, and we're gonna hit you in the freaking mouth on the other side. Thunder I and lightning. Love football, dude. It is <laughs> by far the greatest sport in America. You're just telling people to run into each other on purpose. It's freaking awesome. Love it. I'm getting fired up, dude. I can't <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad the Packers play tomorrow night. We get a little. We get to get to football sooner than later this week. I know, that, but then it sucks when you have to wait all those days. Well, <laughs> ten days, you know that sucks. But then we get yeah. beat up on the Chiefs and kind of suck this year. But we'll get to that later. So, with that being said, man, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes aren't really blowing anybody out. I was looking at all their their former games. They're just not really just scoring a ton of points on anybody. The one game that they scored a ton on was Maryland. They scored 51 in that game. Other than that, they're in the 20s, low 30s maybe, but they're not really just blowing anybody out. They don't have a great rushing attack. They don't have a great passing attack. Their leading receiver is their tight end, 28 catches, 332 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, I know that they they might be tight end you if you ask some people, but that's not scaring me. 28 catches for 300 yards, that's not scaring me. I really feel confident in this Badgers defense. Like, you know how we used to talk uh, last year when we first started this, and we gave, like, the bars of, like, okay, I'll give the advantage to this side. If I'm giving the advantage, like, if I'm thinking about the Wisconsin offense, who is now running the ball correctly, how we're used to, against the Iowa Hawkeyes defense, I'll say it's pretty even. Maybe give a little edge to Iowa, right? Yep, yep. But if I think about the Iowa offense and our defense, I'm giving us a big old Yep. I mean, Spencer, I mean, and Spencer Petrus, who's the quarterback, has six interceptions on the year. He threw four of them in the Purdue game. So it kind of feels like he's in the same boat as Mertz where if you make him play from behind and you force him to make plays and you pressure him and he has to make the play, a lot of times he won't make it. So if the Badgers can run the ball, control the clock, and force Petrus to make some plays, advantage Wisconsin, man. And we're at home. So I feel good about this. 
Yeah, Michael, we we definitely are in agreement with you on that. That Iowa's offense is average at best. Yeah. Their their key is really their defense. So for the Badgers' offense, what I'm looking for is really just don't hurt yourself. That's all you got to do. Just do what you do and don't hurt yourself. Just don't yeah. commit penalties and don't turn the ball over. Iowa leads the country in interceptions and they're second in the country in takeaways. Just don't hurt yourself. That's all you have to do on the offensive side of the ball is take care of it. That's all you got to do. So Iowa is coming off of a bye. So maybe we'll catch them rusty or, you know, um, you know, maybe we'll get them rested, which whichever, you know, version of Iowa shows up, not really concerned about it um, because their offense isn't very good. I mean, we just talked about it. I mentioned it for a reason that the Badgers put up 30 on Purdue that Iowa only managed seven. So their, their offense couldn't get really a pass or a running game going against Purdue. And if you can't get either one going, what are you going to do against the Badgers defense? They were at home. Nothing. Nothing. You're going to go home with an L is what you're going to do. Yeah. Because we talk, I talked about it and I mentioned it that uh, Purdue quarterback was 30 for 40 against Iowa's defense. So their defense can be beat by the pass. But, you know, like I mentioned, they're also good with taking the ball away. So that's something where they might have to mix up the play calling a little bit, maybe try some play action, take some shots on second and short. Um, but their offense, it, it doesn't have a good pass or running game against Purdue, and now they have to come play Wisconsin in Wisconsin. Who like that's... Nobody runs on us. <laughs> we are legitimately the Buccaneers because nobody runs on Tampa. You do not run on the Badgers. You just don't. And the way that the, the defensive line has actually played has actually been uh, somewhat refreshing, actually. And then we know what the linebackers are. Uh, this is this is probably, probably the best group of linebackers that I can think of. Um, like, obviously, the Badgers had T.J. Watt, so we've had great linebackers. But as far as a group is concerned, um, I really like the death row linebackers they should all write that on their arms because that is awesome um and then they just got to control they the badgers have to control penalties on both sides so we're on the offense they need to limit their holding penalties on defense they need to not give up cheap pass interference penalties um it's been an issue a couple times but iowa's not great on third downs either so the badgers held purdue to three for 12 on third down so if they can um keep iowa down on third downs too, get off the field i mean Iowa averages 194 passing yards and 116 rushing yards. So the two of those, the, the one that stands out is their rushing because that's, you know, over 100 yards rushing is is solid. But being under 200 yards passing, like that offense, it just does not concern me at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I can't really say anything good about Iowa's offense coming into the Badgers defense because – like Jake said, when you when you look at it on a scale, like it's it's way off off balance in favor of the Badgers defense. And I think the Badgers will win this game on the back of their defense. And I'm gonna say 17-13 Badgers. Michael in the comments said Badgers 24, Iowa 10 playing in Madison is the biggest benefit for the Badgers with Iowa coming off a of bye. Uh Camp Randall's gonna be rocking. Because oh, yeah. now the Badgers, they're building momentum. They got a three-game win streak going. And they're playing a top ten opponent. 
Um, and I think, unfortunately for Iowa, they're going to expose Iowa as more contenders, you know, pretenders than contenders. Because like Jake said, the only offense they really had was against Maryland. And they got schlacked by Purdue. And then, you know, without a defensive touchdown, the Badgers would have beat Purdue 30-7. to seven. Yeah. So, so hit, hit me with your score prediction. So my score prediction, I mean, before I mention that, uh, Riley Moss, who's a corner for the Hawkeyes, he's the number one corner. He has four interceptions tied for the league league in the country. You mentioned that they're very good at taking away the ball. He's one of the, one of their main contributors. Yep, He's good going point. to miss this game. Um, so for that reason, I think Mertz hits a long one. I really do. I'm going to – that's my bold prediction of the game. Mertz hits a long one, takes the top off the defense a little bit. So for me, I mean, my man Michael might be looking at my notes, but he's pretty close to my score here. Um, <laughs> I have 27-13 Wisconsin. I think – I think this will be a close game. I think first quarter will be kind of a feel-out process. A little bit of hit you here, hit you there. But I think at the end of the day, Wisconsin throws more punches and more connect, and that's really going to be the – is he becoming another Josh Jackson? I mean, he might. He might be. But I think Wisconsin's going to throw more punches and more are going to connect, and that's going to be the name of the game. So, for me, I have, I have my 17-13 just because it's going to be – it's going to be a defensive game and the difference in Wisconsin's defense and Iowa's defense versus Iowa's offense and the Badgers offense. I think it's just, just a little bit of an edge with the Badgers. Um, and it's going to be, this is not going to be a pretty football game. This is going to be very ugly um, reminiscent of the Penn state game, which Michael said he'd love to see a remit, a rematch of in the championship. You know, who knows? Uh, Tyler said Danny Davis is poised for a big game. Honestly, at this point, I don't care what receiver has a big game, whether it's Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, Kimmeray DK, Jake Ferguson. I just want one of them to do something more than four for 40. Like, Merch just has to hit one long pass a game. That's it. Hit one long what? pass, hit three or four mediums, we'll run the damn ball the rest of the game. That's Dude, it. if that you – I've, we've talked about this. Like, I love play action. You're, you're, oh my God, your running offense is so good. It's so easy to set up play action when your running game is that effective. And you have a good tight end and two skilled receivers. How can you not pass? You have three skilled receivers. Kimberly DK is a beast. Yeah, DK is good. DK is good. And Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are experienced with good hands. You have four very good weapons that I'm comfortable throwing the ball anywhere on the field. Just just do that. Just a little bit. But you mean it doesn't have to be a lot, obviously. They only needed eight passes last week to score twenty four points. Or thirty points. Sorry. Thirty points, yeah. Yeah. I was looking at Purdue scored twenty four on Iowa. So I don't care which one has a big game. Just one of them do something. Like yeah. All right, you we'll do you see. have anything else you want to say about the Badgers? No, I look forward to my brother coming on the show and taking a pie to the face. He said he was going to do two because he bet each of us won. Well, I guess he's going to have a bad Wednesday. Oh, wait, we're going right. on Thursday, aren't we? We're doing both. We got the Wednesday okay. show is going to be Badgers and Bucks, and then the Thursday show is all Packers. Okay, that's right. It's fun to get that out there. <laughs> all right. 
So let's talk about basketball. This first one we can probably talk about really quickly. Um, the Bucks sucked against the Heat. Um, Giannis shot bad. Middleton shot bad. They both only made four shots. Middleton shot 14 times. Giannis shot 11 times. I mean, I saw this stat, which was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, we had no Drew and no Brooke. So we still have no Brooke. I mean, Brooke might be coming back pretty soon. Yeah, yep, he's going to probably play tonight. Yeah, and same thing with uh, Bobby. You know, we're, I, I don't want to forget him because he's very important to our team. But the Bucks just shot bad. The Heat, they were really running around like it was the Eastern Conference Finals. Pulls <laughs> out on shooters. I'm watching this game, and I'm just like, what the f- is going on here, man? Like, P.J. Tucker's out there pressuring Giannis 35 feet away from the rim. I'm like, they can have this one. Like that's that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like if you if you have a piece of paper nearby, like just crumple it up and throw it away. The Bucks didn't play this game. Yeah. Half of the Bucks played this game. Yeah. No Drew, no Bobby, no Dante, no Brooks. Semi Ojale still hasn't played. Rodney Hood wasn't playing in this game. I mean, you're playing with half of a roster. You're playing with oh, Giannis Middleton and a bunch of young guys and and George Hill and Grayson Allen. So, yep. I mean, the Badgers ran out there, or the Badgers, the Bucks ran out there with half of their roster. Um, basically, you let P.J. Tucker get his revenge game, and you let Tyler Hero act like he's whatever because he scored on a team that didn't have half of their best defenders, and then you just get everybody else out healthy. You let the Heat – I mean, just let the Heat puff their chest about the second game of the season and yeah, go ahead. move on. I mean, and I've been trolling Laker fans a lot, so uh, Laker fans were, were puffing their chest too because I'm in, a, I'm in a very heated debate. And I know this is Wisco Fanatics, but I know there's people out there that don't tell the truth. So if you're here, I want to make a poll. And I want people to really vote on this, who's the better player between Giannis and Anthony Davis. We'll get to that later, but I really, really got to see the answer to this. If you think Anthony Davis, I'm all for good discussion. I, I love good discussion. I See, that's why I got into sports, because I it's really the only thing I talk about outside of hating my job every other day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, you, t- you talk about kids now because I'm an old man and I have a couple kids, but I love talking about sports. So if you want to debate sports, I'm with that, dude. That's why we started this thing, man, because we're opinionated and we, we think we know stuff and – it is what it is. We, we yeah, pretend like we know stuff, yeah. I'm, I'm going to make this poll, and I want people to really be honest. Like, tell me your real answer. Not as a Bucks fan, as a basketball fan. But anyways, Heat, they won this one. It is what it is. I'm not worried. Yep. I really wanted to win the first one because it was ring night. Yep. It was like when the Packers lost on Brett Favre night. But a part of me on Brett Favre night was kind of like, hmm, it's kind of what you get for being a dick to us and going to the Vikings. So, fuck it. Anyways. <laughs> All right, move on to the Spurs game. Let's talk about that one. Let's actually talk about that one. Bucks looked like a competitive basketball team again. I mean, Drew Holiday played. He didn't. He didn't really. He's on a minutes restriction. Yeah, he was. He was six for nine, three for four from three. He had sixteen four and five. I mean, Giannis and Middleton did their thing. Giannis twenty one eight and eight. I mean, this guy literally like Tyler legitimately might predict him averaging a triple <laughs> which is crazy. I thought that was nuts when he said that. I was like, yeah, I mean, he could do it, but uh, they just, they shot better. I mean, the heat against us, they shot 15 of 35 on threes. That's very efficient. 
The Bucs did that same exact stat line against the Spurs. They shot the ball well. They were very efficient from three, 15 to 35. They rebound. They had more rebounds. They had more assists. And that's a trend that goes into this week is the Bucs, every game, they had more assists in each game. I love when they share the ball. We have a lot of playmakers, man. And we have a lot of shooters, too. Yeah. We had, we had 19 assists. In this game against the Spurs, 21 assists. I know it's not a big bump, but more assists, more ball movement, more people involved in the offense, touching it, keeps them involved on both ends of the court. That's what I like to see. That's championship DNA. Uh, Pat Allen and Hill all had double digits. I would like to see – I mean, I know we're not fully healthy, but I would really like to see the bench you know, produce a little bit more, scoring yeah. up the bench. I mean, yep. I know when Pat goes back. When Bobby comes, comes back, back, that's when that's going to matter. That's when yeah. it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. So the only person that really, really went crazy for the Spurs was Doug McDermott. He mm-hmm. shot out of his freaking mind. He yep. was 25-4-2, and, and he was 7-11 from three. So he career high, 7-11. He made seven of their 10 three-pointers, which is crazy. So – the Bucks, they did their thing, man. The Spurs are not a good shooting team. They just cannot shoot from the outside, so they will not be competitive this game. They have some good mid-range, but that's about it. Yeah. They have a lot of so, guys. Yeah, that's what that's that's the point that I took away from this was that the Spurs, they could be good in like two or three years. You know, they have yeah. Jonathan Murray, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson. I mean, Yaka Pirtle's all right. So, like, you know, they they have some pieces there. They could be good in two or three years when Becky Hammond is coaching the team after Popovich retires. But yeah, um, she's about 104 right now, huh? <laughs> like 204, you see him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jordan Wara showing off his athleticism some more in this game, had a block off the backboard. So uh, good on Jordan Wara for, for improving on defense. Um, Giannis showed off the mid-range a little bit in this game. And that's going to matter because Jake was just talking about P.J. Tucker pressuring Giannis. And while Brooke Lopez is out, Giannis has been playing center a lot. And Giannis showing that mid-range, that is a big damn deal for a big reason. Because P.J. Tucker, because Bam Adebayo, because Joel Embiid. When those guys are guarding Giannis, those guys are at least near as strong as Giannis is. And those three are good defenders. Giannis adding that that post fade mid range game to his game and really perfecting it. You know, we saw shades of it during the playoffs last year, but making that a, like really a focal part of his game is a big deal, and that should scare everybody in the league because Giannis doesn't have to back down for eight seconds and try to shoot you know, a, an awkward layup or kick out to a contested three, Giannis can just go to that post fade and nobody is blocking that. No. Like, if even if Kevin Durant is guarding him, like, he's not blocking that. There's nobody in the league that's long enough to guard Giannis fading away even just a little bit. So Giannis adding that to his game, that is a big deal um, and really perfecting it. So you mentioned Giannis already with 21, eight and eight Middleton finished with 28 points. Pat and drew both had 16 and San Antonio credit to them for staying competitive, but the bucks did what winning teams do. And that's winning close games. So the bucks played decent defense without Brooke Lopez. Um, like I said, Giannis really holding down the center position, had some blocks and, you know, the Bucks left this game about as healthy as you could ask them to, um, like we said, with Drew being on a minutes restriction. So um, good on the Bucks. So let's talk about the Pacers game. 
Well, again against the Pacers, there was no Drew, no Brooke, no Bobby. So I went into this game and like I just I said it a million times in a million different discussion threads. The Bucks don't care about regular season. You know, I, I've talked to the Knicks fans and I'm talking to Lakers fans and I'm talking to Hawks fans and they're like, Oh, we were only so and so many games behind you. I'm like, bruh. We did not care about the regular season. I was say, how many games were you behind at the end of the year? <laughs> yeah, like we we literally sat our entire lineup like ten times last year. Just let the rookies play. We don't care about regular season, dude. How, dude? How many times did we talk about it in January, February, and March when we're like, we don't care about the end result. We care about Budenholzer or figuring out rotations. We don't care. How many and, times, dude? And, I bet it was at least fifteen times that we said that. Right, and Giannis is still using the regular season as a tune-up for the for the postseason. He's just yep. messing around with his mid-range. Like, oh, yep. okay. if he steps here, I can shoot it like this. Like Giannis is literally <laughs> using this as a simulation. Dude, Giannis had a catch and shoot three in the fourth quarter of that Spurs game. Like, dude, <laughs> people need to chill, bro. They need to chill being so worried about this regular season. Like, there's certain games that they have skipped that they have circled because, right. like, the Nets. The Nets are our biggest contenders for the title. It's yep. nobody in the West that's our biggest contender. It is maybe just Utah. Nets. Maybe Utah, but like plain and simple, the one biggest is the Nets. That's it. Yeah. It's just the Nets. After that, you can list off a bunch of teams from the West, but because I don't, really, I'm not really scared of anybody else out of the East to be honest with you. But it nope. is what it is. The Bucks don't care. But they come away with W's. They did it again against the Pacers. Yep. The Pacers played well. They got good players over there, man. If they could figure out, like, and Carlisle's a pretty good coach. Rick Carlisle, he's the coach now for the Pacers. A long-time coach for the Mavs. But Sabonis is going to Sabonis. He's a good player, man. He's an all-star. Like you, your point, he's all offense. Um, and Malcolm Brogdon, Milwaukee fans, we all know what he's about. He's a good, smart player. He takes smart shots. He's efficient. But Giannis, 30, 10, and 9, come on, man. This dude's, like I said, he's treating this like simulation. He's dropping 30, 10, and 9. Like, like, Nobody can guard him. Nobody. No. It's it's impossible. And Middleton, 25, or 27, 5, and 7. Uh, Grayson Allen, 19. He's 4 and 9 from 3. Like, they had 24 assists in this game. So, like I said, the trend was more assists. Um and they're just they're rebounding the ball. They're 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 shooting better. Like we're dealing with all these injuries, all these key players that are out. And Giannis and Middleton are just going out there, just playing pickup basketball, winning NBA games. Man, like it's crazy to me. So this game, I had a few takeaways. First of all, the the Pacers threw all three of their centers at Giannis, and Giannis was too fast for Miles Turner, too strong for Sabonis, and both for Bataze. i was pissed at him when he pushed middleton because middleton is a very level-headed guy yeah that was yeah and they were talking uh, yeah they were talking after it was all straightened out but yeah that was yeah that was unnecessary he was definitely in the wrong there because middleton never gets heated dude he's very very level-headed so it's like whatever so chris middleton he did drop a Dude, he dropped a buzzer beater three from the corner and got bodied. Yep. Middleton, I wonder – I should have looked it up. I wonder if he leads the league in four-point plays because he gets a lot. Yeah, dude, he gets fouled a lot on regular jump shots. Like, he doesn't kick out the leg, do the floppy yep. thing. Like, he just shoots. Yep. Yeah, and I love Middleton's mid-range game. 
He's so good at range. Yeah, and the thing with Chris Middleton, I don't understand how he's still underrated as a passer. Like, how is he still underrated as a passer? I don't know, man. He ran a pick and roll with, what, it was a Drew Holiday, and he passed into a window like this much bigger than the basketball? I mean, yeah. we talked about the touchdown pass that he threw to Giannis last week. I mean, that was insane. how is he still underrated as a passer? I mean, I don't really understand how he's still underrated, like, period. But, like, one of my bold predictions, I do think the Bucks will have three All-Stars this year. Uh then the other play that Chris Middleton hit, I think it was in the second quarter, he, he had to work a little bit to get the ball, and he caught it uh, about 15 feet away from the basket. He hit one quick shimmy, and he was gone. Like, the guy guarding him just couldn't hang. I don't know if it was Jeremy Lamb or if it was um, Duarte, the rookie, but Middleton hit one quick shimmy jab, and he was gone for a layup. So, I mean, I talked about it a couple times last year where Middleton looks like he's better going to the basket. Um, he had a couple nice finishes. He had one left-handed layup that he hit. Um, so Middleton, he's he's still working on his offensive game too, and he's he's mixing some other things in. You know, he's not just going to spot up and shoot every time. He's he's a decent ball handler. Um, he could probably get better at it, but um, as far as passing and shooting goes, he's he is a great number two to have with Giannis, and their chemistry oh, is yeah. and their chemistry is amazing. So yeah. Um, um... I just wanted to comment on chemistry because I saw a Bulls fan say that uh, the Bulls have the best chemistry in the league, and I'm like, <laughs> what goddamn league are you playing in, dude? Like, we're the defending champs, and we've kept, like, basically our entire core together for the last three years, and now the last two years we have, like, the same core. How is a new team dude, all together? You can go back. you can go back nine years, and our two best players are still here. Yeah, dude, like. How do you have better chemistry than that? I don't understand. Not a chance. Not even close. I can't wait till they play the Bulls. I hope we smack the hell out of them. It's going to be ugly for them because I do think they're overrated and they're not a good defending team. Dude, they, like, they're like they're like puffing their chest about being 3-0 since the first time since 96. They played the Pistons and the Raptors. <laughs> what the <laughs> Whatever, man. Chicago, do you think I, – I mean – is Justin Fields still the GOAT? Is he still a Hall of Famer? I'm, I'm just wondering. Just wondering. All right. So, you know, you mentioned that we didn't have Brooke or Drew Holiday or Bobby in this game, but we got Rodney Hood. Oh, yeah, baby. He and he made good. a three. So, yeah. I mean, you know, Rodney Hood's out here. Now, I'm glad that you brought up uh, DeMontis Sabonis because there were some plays in this game, and – they had, they went head to head a couple times, and it was Demontis Sabonis, and it was Mamu. Mamu, if you're watching the show, I'd I'd find it unlikely, but Demontis Sabonis is your blueprint. Go be Demontis Sabonis. He's a left-handed guy. He does a lot of things. He's a passer, shooter. He can work in the post. He's got good footwork, and he's not an amazing defender. If we go be Demontis Sabonis. Do that. That would, that would be disgusting. So that's that was something that I thought of. He um, he had a nice lay-in. He had a, a play where he worked his footwork and he got in there. Um, DeMontis Sabonis took advantage of him a couple times on defense. But, you know, that's a player comparison. Go be Sabonis. So that was my thing. Brooke coaching up on the sidelines, by the way. That was Dude, awesome. he's talking to Brooke like every single time there's a stoppage in play. 
Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that, that's that's how teams stay good, man. Your veterans are willingly helping the young guys. And, you know, there was another quote this week from Drew Holiday, and he was talking about how Jordan Nawara is mm-hmm. his favorite player, and he yep. compared him, you know, and we did it on this show. Uh, and he said that uh, he thinks that Jordan is a younger Chris, and that was the exact comparison that me and Yep, made. good job. And it is what – I mean, that's just – if we get another Chris Middleton and we get to Monta Sabonis and Giannis is still only 26, 27 years old. He'll be 27 in like a little – yeah, in December. We're going to be competing for titles for a long time, buddy. That's all I know. So, now, this is just, this is general. And I want to give credit um, to Jordan Wara, Justin Robinson, Thanasis. Mm-hmm. Big time shout out to Pat Connaughton for absorbing minutes. Pat Connaughton, we're five games into the season. Pat Connaughton's playing 31 and a half minutes a game. He played 37 Man. minutes against the Spurs. Man. So in these these games so far, Pat Connaughton's averaging 13.8 points, 5.3 rebounds, shooting 57% on field goals, and just under 42% on threes. That That is fantastic for – for anybody who thought that Pat Connaughton was getting overpaid for three years, fifteen million, just just go back and delete anywhere that you said that on the internet because Pat Connaughton is a huge contributor to this team. Yep. He does everything that is asked of him, and he does a lot of things well. He's not he's not going to be an All Star. He's not going to be a Sixth Man of the Year, but he is the kind of player that you need to win championships. Yep. Dude, he showed it in the finals, dude. We saw it in the playoffs. He hit clutch threes. He played good defense. He stays active. He cuts to the basket. He's actually gotten pretty good at finishing at the basket. Like we know that he's athletic and he can dunk, but he's he's had some nice finishes at the rim this year. He really has. Like, like absorbing contact, getting layups. He had one where he caught the ball at the three point line. It took him one dribble and two steps to get to the layup. Like Pat Connaughton is he's showing a little something. And, and he with, deserves credit for what he's done. With that, now people can't just close out on him because now he can just fly by and he can finish. So that's he another aspect that people have to think about, you know? Yeah. So the takeaway that I've made so far this year is that the Bucks look better in their half-court offense. I, I mean, I'm sure you would agree with that. Um, the addition of Grayson Allen, the emergence of Giannis's jump shot, Middleton – is Middleton and you know just guys staying active. The the half court offense for the Bucks was something they kind of struggled with um a little bit last year, but mainly the couple of years before that when they were like mainly an all transition team. Mm-hmm. But that's the evolution that, that that this team has made has gone from not just being a good transition team, but being a good in transition and in the half court offense when teams get back. So I'm really, really encouraged by that. And that's something that I had a big takeaway. Um, not sure if you have any thoughts on that at all. No, I, I agree with you, man. Just uh, it'll be nice when we get Drew and everybody back, man, to really see how everything meshes together, man. I mean, if for anybody who thinks that this team can't defend the title and go back to back, you're completely insane. And I don't understand at this point, like how they're not the favorites to do so. <clears throat> 
don't know. You do, just in the news, you just always hear about how the Lakers are barely beating the Grizzlies or they're losing to their sons. And then we get to hear about how Kyrie Irving isn't, you know, isn't vaccinated. And then how James Harden's crying about the new rules. Like, <laughs> no, that's my favorite thing in the world right now is James Harden crying about the James Harden rule. Oh, that's so funny. Dude, did you see the the one meme that they made about James Harden? No. There was a meme. I don't know who was guarding him, but there was a guy, and he was standing with his hands behind oh, him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it said, was like Quinn Cook or somebody. Yeah, he said, dudes literally had to guard James Harden like this because they were going to get a foul call on them. I don't care about James crying to the media. Like, dude, they, <laughs> It's so funny that he's complaining about that rule. Like, dude, they made that rule for you, dude. Yeah, like you're literally – like you flopping into free throw. Like, and you shooting 25 free throws a game off of flailing on three-point shots is why they made that rule. Like it's because of you. Yeah, like some of the, the video is actually just floating around the internet about – uh, fans saying, well, I don't want to watch you shoot 25 free throws a game. And he said, well, I don't want to be fouled that many times. It's like, dude, you're not getting fouled that many times. Like, get that through your head. Like, he's really not that great. He doesn't he's, and he's showing it. Like, he's still a good – he's a good ball handler and he's a solid passer. But his yeah. his shooting, like, it's way down. Like, he's had, like, three six for 17 games so far. I mean, he's still averaging like what, like twenty eight nine or something like that. But his usage rate is out of the freaking roof, man. Right, because there's no Kyrie, so he's running the point. Yeah. So I mean, it is what it is. I mean, with if that rule, you know, holds through the entire season, you know, into the playoffs, like none of that flopping bullcrap. Bucks and Nets is going to be real good, man. There's three guys that come to mind that need to adjust to that, and James Harden is number one by like a mile. Trey Young is number two, and then there's like another mile, and then Devin Booker because he does a lot of the unnatural leg kicks and a lot of the oh, the yelling while he's shooting. Like Devin Booker does a lot of that stuff. You remember Michael Red, bro? <laughs> <laughs> he was always yelling the whole damn game. He was shooting a three, and then he's like, "Hey, hey!" <laughs> and he would always dunk with his right hand. Man, Michael Red was weird. <laughs> shot weird. It would go in all the time, like. He had a good career for us, so I still love Mike Ray. So, speaking of good careers, Chris Middleton is actually approaching Michael Red, but he's got a little bit ways to go. Uh, Chris Middleton passed Ray Allen for number 10 in points in Bucks history, and he needs 12 points tonight to pass Brian Winters for number 9 on the Bucks all-time scoring list. I get it, unless he has a monumentally bad shooting game. But yeah, so, I mean, he could, he could have it by halftime, but um, looking yeah, ahead for the Bucks. He might. I mean, he had 20 points in the first half the other day, so maybe. So looking ahead for the Bucks tonight they play Minnesota. It's D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is still the man there. And then they have D'Angelo Russell and a bunch of young guys. Um, Saturday, they play the Spurs again. I would honestly expect another game very similar to how it just went this past Saturday. And then Sunday, Sunday is the game to have circled in the next week because they play the Utah Jazz. That is a team that I feel matches up well with the Bucs um, and that they're going to have their hands full that game. It's a lot of shooters. It's Rudy Gobert, who's a very good defensive center. And Donovan Mitchell, he can ball. Like, Donovan Mitchell is a baller. Like, I love Donovan Mitchell's game. 
And then next Tuesday, the Bucks play the Pistons. Don't know if they're going to have the number one pick, Cade Cunningham, playing or not. Um, what I did see, and this is for tonight, is that Bobby Portis is available. So I have a feeling he'll probably be on a minutes restriction, whether he plays like 12 or 15 minutes or something. Um, the Bucks play Minnesota, so they can probably afford to let the young guys stick around for this one. Um, and Jordan Wara is earning some playing time. And I want to see if you agree with me on this, but if if Dante is out until, say, December, and Jordan Wara keeps playing the way that he is. Is Dante expendable? I would say it would have to be a combo thing. The emergence of Nawara and Grayson Allen's ability on the floor. Grayson Allen just I, got extended, so he's sticking around. It kind of does make him – it does. I'm, I'm sorry to say, and I, I'm a fan of DiVincenzo. The Bucks are in that position where they we watched this team grow – grow, grow, grow to a title last year. And we fell in love with all these players and we were bad. You know, we're real fans. We're watching all these young guys just get better and better and better. We're going to have to let some go to make some tough moves. You know, we made a move last year. Uh, we got P.J. Tucker, and that was a little tiny bit of push that we needed to get over the Nets. And I don't know who that player will be this year. We'll have to keep an eye on it. But there's going to be somebody out there that can be valuable to us that maybe is a really good defender on somebody or a really good shooter, but a big man maybe. I don't know, but there will be some. I don't know who it will be, and I find it pretty unlikely that it happens, but I am going to continue crossing my fingers that the Bucks go after Miles Turner. So mm-hmm. I am hoping that Indiana sucks so that they get into a – a trade mode where they want to get rid of somebody. And I hope the odd man out is miles Turner and they're going to roll with Sabonis. Um, I would love miles Turner on the bucks and he is a good transition into the last thing that we're going to talk about today. And Jake and I were talking about this before the show. So we decided to add it to the show and we just want to throw the question out there because as good as Brooke Lopez is, uh, he doesn't really get the respect that he deserves as a center. Um, Ryan said miles to put you over the edge. I mean, he's, he profiles similar to Brooke Lopez and what he does is he defends the paint and he spaces the floor on offense. Miles Turner can hit the three. He was, he led the league in blocks last year. Um, Brooke Lopez is still a very good interior defender and he's, he still shoots the three well. And that, that led Jake and I to this discussion of strictly guys that defend the paint and space the floor on offense. So do those two things to give me a top three centers in the league that defend the paint and space the floor on offense. So my three were number one, Anthony Davis, number two, Miles Turner, and number three, Brooke Lopez. I'm open to discussion and debate, but let me hear your three. It's hard to find any three other than that, really. I mean, Miles Turner shoots the ball at a great clip for a big guy. And I don't remember if he led the league or he was second in the league in blocks last year. He was number one. He definitely, yeah. And Brooke Lopez, we all know what he does. He gets the big block numbers. But really, the thing that Brooke really, really does, what I think he's probably the best in the league at, is that verticality rule. 
he stands like this, he keeps his arm straight, and he just forces the defender to make a tough shot, or the offense player to make a tough shot, you know. Uh, and we know he can shoot. He's Splash Mountain. Yep. And uh, Anthony Davis, he, he shoots well, man. I can't really think of anybody else who shoots the Does ball. Does both? Yeah, man. And to be an elite defender – and a floor spacer is something that's very, very unique. You can find guys that defend well. Like yep. Rudy Gobert. Still, yeah, Rudy Gobert. Dwight Howard is still a good paint defender. I mean, and B and B might be in there. That might be something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's fair. Yep. That's as fair. I'm going as I'm going through it. And B and B plays a lot of power forward though. Like they they ran out with Dwight Howard. Now they have Andre Drummond. Like and B runs a lot of power really forward, know. but. They could really, I mean, if Ben Simmons figured his shit out, they could really put, you know, they could put Ben Simmons in that power forward, point forward role and just run with a, a Seth Curry as, as the guard. I mean, I don't, yep. I don't really care about Philly. They suck. But um, I can't really think of anybody else. I mean. So if you, if, just, if you think about centers, just think about centers around the league. Like Nikola Jokic was the MVP last year. He's all offense. He's not a good defender. He's a very bad defender. You throw at DeAndre Ayton. He's a good defender, but he's no offense. He's not getting that max extension, and he even got exposed on defense at times last year because he's not laterally quick. Like He can defend the paint, but he has to be in the paint to defend it. Yeah, um, yeah. You can throw um, Nikola Vucevic in there. He's a good offensive player, but he's not a good defender. You can – I mean, Bam Adebayo maybe in that discussion. He's – He's a better mid-range shooter, but he's not really a, a floor spacer. Um, no. He's a good defender, though. But I mean, if you're if you're talking purely interior defense and spacing the floor, I mean, Anthony Davis, Miles Turner, Joel Embiid, and Brooke Lopez are 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 the guys that do both. So for the Bucks to have one of those and is not getting paid nearly what the other three are, I mean, Miles Turner makes about seventeen, and Brooke Lopez is making thirteen, but um, you know, the Bucks are in a really good position with Brooke Lopez on this team. I mean, I saw this stat. Uh, this was uh, going uh, – I think I mentioned it already, but going into the, the Heat game, the Bucks since Brooke Lopez has come over, are 160 wins and 60 losses. That's – I'll take that trade all day. I yeah. think he only – I think he, they were like – it was a very, very small sample size because he's – he plays a lot. You know, that's another – that's the next level. You know, he plays all the time. He's missing yep. time now because he's back because he's starting right. to get up in age. But he's thirty-four, uh, and he's a he's a big fella. He's taking a lot of pounding, a lot of miles in those legs. Um, but I think they were like seven and nine with him out. So I mean, the paint defense, they they don't spread the floor as well because Giannis doesn't shoot as well as him. I mean, there's just a lot of moving factors. Brooke Lopez is one of our most important players that really doesn't yeah. get talked about. You know, that's that's why we had this discussion, and you know, a guy like Bobby Portis will help. Because he is such a good three-point shooter, um, so that's you know that's something that tonight we can see. Like if Bobby is on a minutes restriction, we'll see what happens with that. But um, you know, guys like that are important to have around Giannis. Guys that defend the paint and space the floor. So, yes, um, you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, no, man. I'm uh, I'm ready to watch the Bucks and tomorrow. Yep. we'll see what the Packers have, man. And then Saturday. I was going down, baby. Yeah. So tonight we got a Bucks game. Tomorrow we got a Packers game. Friday off. Saturday we got Badgers and Bucks. 
And then Sunday we got Bucks again. So Bucks are playing a back to back on Saturday and Sunday and go Packers, go Badgers, go Bucks. Yes, sir. All right. See you next Wednesday and Thursday. Don't forget we got a live episode next Thursday. So next Wednesday, there will be no Packers discussion. It's all gonna be Bucks and Badgers. Yep. And then next Thursday is going to be all about the Packers in Green Bay in the shadow of Lambeau Field at the Green Bay Parker Johns. And that's going to be fun. So, yes, sir. Hey, I'll see you then, buddy. All right. See you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.